You're listening to episode 105 of the Business of Making podcast. This week, we're talking about what happens if you don't actually sell anything when you're starting a handmade business. We hope you enjoy it. Do you want to make it as a maker? This is the Business of Making podcast with your hosts, Michaela Denvers, Deb Engelmeyer, and Jess Van Den. We know from experience that growing a handmade business is bloody hard work. We're here to make it a little bit easier for you by dishing out reality-based, no BS, tried and tested advice on how to make your business work. Tune in every week for an honest conversation on what it really takes to make a creative business a success. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Making podcast. It's that kind of morning (laughs) where we need to do some singing. I'm here with Jeff. <laughs> Hello. And Deb. Hello. And Deb's got us up early again to record. It's not that early anymore. At least it's after nine. It's o'clock. 10 o'clock. This could no, not it's be not. It's 9.15. <laughs> Even 9.15 is not Let's early. Say we're splitting the country in half. <laughs> <laughs> we are here this week to talk about something which is going to be fantastic and I would like to excite you about it. But first, before we get to that. <laughs> Keeping us in suspense here. But they've seen the title of the podcast before they click play, so they know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, we will be talking about one of the fears that many people have when starting a small business or a handmade business or a big business, whatever you're starting. But for now, right now, I want to say a massive thank you to one of our Patreon supporters with which we could not do the show. We could not afford to put on the show. So thank you to all of our Patreon people. But for today, I want to give a shout out to... Rachel Tibbles, who I'm known, whom I know. <laughs> My God. See, I'm like trying to be all like, I know words and stuff. And it's like, nope. <laughs> no, you don't. Tea for that. <laughs> so Rachel started Lucian Candles a long time ago, actually. I can't even remember when it was. But they're beautiful, beautiful handmade candles. So they, they're sold in stores all over Australia, but mainly in Canberra because that's where they started and that's where I am. But they're just beautiful and they've always stood out to me in the sort of really elegant, what are they called, like vessels that the Mm -hmm. candles are in. But Lucian also does workshops around Canberra as well. So anyone who's in Canberra has probably seen the Lucian candles at several stores and they also do markets. And I just wanted to say a shout out to the website, Rachel. So good. (laughs) The product photography that you've used is really fantastic. The colours are just really nice and there's tons of good information. And even the the photo on the workshops page is really cool. It really gives you a feeling for everyone else who's working on their website. Check it out because you can sort of get the (laughs) idea of how you can brand a feeling through imagery as well. So I think you've done that really well. Like it smells nice, this image. It smells nice. (laughs) (laughs) It does. You're like, oh, I want to be there with them. Uh, so thank you so much, Rachel, and everyone at Lucian. I know she sometimes works with her sister, Sarah, too, who has also worked with me on several things at the university. So it's all like <laughs> everyone. But, yeah, thank you so much for being a supporter of the show. We really appreciate it. And also to all of our other Patreon peeps as well. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. So diving into this highly suspense-filled topic, <laughs> which I forgot that you would have seen the title of already. <laughs> Basically, we started with sort of the five main fears that people can feel heading into business, but we decided we'll just focus on one at a time because maybe five is a bit overwhelming at once. So the first one that we're going to tackle is, but what if I don't sell anything? What if you start a business and you don't, you sell nothing? That fear is pretty real, I think, 
for a lot of people. Yeah, it's mm. real and it's realistic as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because yeah. this happens to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> this is not what people want to hear. They're like, oh, my God, I thought this would make me feel better. And you're like, this is a possibility. <laughs> like, yeah, well, Sorry. maybe you won't. Maybe We're bringing the real talk. <laughs> We're going to touch on why this might be, but let's just start with I've seen so many people who are like, I've had my shop open for ages and I haven't sold anything. Oh, my God, yes. What am I doing wrong? Chances are something, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, the first thing I want to put up here is we see this a lot from people. I've had my shop open for a month and I haven't sold anything. Mm-hmm. That's a bit different to I've had my shop open for two years and I haven't sold anything. Mm. Yeah. If you've had your shop open for two years and you haven't sold anything, that's definitely a you problem. If you've had your shop open for a month, it's not necessarily a you problem because it takes time. <laughs> yeah. That's just number one. It takes time. Now I'm going to give an example of, um, one of my students from Setup Shop, who's also a dear friend of mine, just launched her handmade dice shop. She launched with like 22 products and she sold out almost the entire shop within the first 24 hours. Now, that obviously wasn't because people found her via SEO. How are you marketing things? And also, what's your history? Like she has a really successful Instagram about something somewhat related, but not the same. So she had an audience. Some of that audience came over to her new thing But also she had years and years and years of experience of growing a successful Instagram following that she then turned that knowledge into her new one that she started. She made connections. Like she had years worth of experience. She's been my friend for like over 20 years. So she's had me talking about my own and my business experience for what, 15 years, something, 13 years. You don't know what is going on behind people in their background. So the people who launch successfully from the beginning, who have sales from the beginning, they're not complete beginners. They've got experience. They either have an audience or they have business experience or there's something else going on there. They've put money into advertising. Those are all ways that people manage to launch at the beginning successfully and grow from there. Most of us don't have that. Most of us are starting from absolutely nothing. We have time. Yes, <laughs> that's what we have. And that's what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make here is that you might have to just accept that it's going to take time. She has had spent years and years previous to launching this, working on all of these skills that have brought it together to make it successful. Whereas if you are coming at, as a newbie, you have years and years ahead of you where you have to learn all of these things and figure out how to be successful. Yeah, so I guess the first tip is like resetting your expectations to something a little bit more realistic. I totally agree with that. I've done a video on this because questions slash sometimes it's just a statement that people make like nothing is working because I have been open for two months and I have not sold a single thing. And you're like, okay, well, that doesn't really mean anything yet. You're brand new. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We've talked about this on the podcast many times, so let's not do a deep dive there, but there is a lot of marketing messages out there that to sell you things will make you feel like you can really quickly get an unrealistic amount of income where really for the majority of us it's not how it works it's a snowball mm. effect it gradually compounds yeah, to a, a level of income yeah. it's a slow build. and that's what you want anyway because that's a sustainable long-term mm. way of building a business so I guess if I don't sell anything the first thing is like well you want at first <laughs> Yeah. So let's just put it out there. <laughs> just you just want at first, then you yeah. will. So if you know you go into it with the idea that you need to sell in a month, like or six weeks or whatever, maybe 
go back to what Jess was saying. And then in this case, it's like people who do that already have an audience or they already, or they have a budget for paid ads or they have things to really get a boost on. But organic growth mm-hmm. doesn't happen in six weeks. That is not, that's just not how it works. No. And this is also, sorry to interject, Deb, this is also why a lot of people at the beginning do things like markets. They're really good mm-hmm. because you're getting a product in front of people who want to buy. Yeah. Whereas when you sell online, that's the problem is people not seeing you. They don't know you exist, so they can't buy from you. Mm, yeah. So if your mindset is like a market, no, it's not. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just sorry, I want to go back really quickly to what you were saying, Jess, about, you know, it takes time to learn those things. It's also like you got to think of all of those different things that you need to learn. You can't possibly learn them all at the same time because it's impossible, literally impossible. Yeah. So you'll get good at one thing and then the next thing will come up and you'll learn it. Yeah. You'll get really good at knowing your customer perhaps and then you'll know how to talk to them and then you actually need to then learn how to market that message or like do advertising that's a whole different lesson completely it's like not all just one big package that you're like boom done yep I've learned everything about business and it's continual too like you never know everything because everything is changing all the time as well Mm. it's 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 really good point like it's with this weird idea that somehow you can start a business and and be successful because you're just magically good at everything. Like mm. you don't think, oh, I can be a doctor. I can just go to the hospital and start diagnosing people. Yeah. <laughs> like you have what six to eight years of university and training before you're unleashed upon yeah people. Yeah, and you still don't get it right. No, no, you still probably kill people. <laughs> this is why I didn't become a doctor. That was too stressful. I'm like, no. <laughs> so you've just changed your mindset. Think, I've got to study this. I've got to study how to build and run a business imagine it's like university you've got to spend a couple of years of time to study this and of course those people are at university full-time you're probably doing this in two hours a week or something exactly yeah 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 do you struggle with figuring out what price to put on your products I think we've all been there and it can be really confusing and frustrating trying to work out exactly where to price our products and put them in the marketplace. So we wanted to make it a little bit easier for you by putting together a free checklist. In this checklist, we take you through all of the things you need to consider and include in your pricing and also a few of the things you might want to consider when it comes to adjusting your pricing once the math stuff has been sorted out. So you can get a hold of that free download over at thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash get freebies. Also, at the same time, knowing that perhaps not really knowing, but maybe we've just enlightened you that it takes a long time. (laughs) At the same time, don't wait. Oh, no. Know enough or know everything to then start. That's not going to work either because you'll never start and you'll never put your stuff out there. That's just a procrastination method for the fear of this is just an excuse because you're scared of doing something that's not perfect. Yeah. Just do it half good while you're learning. I still agree. Sorry, I interrupted you. (laughs) No, that's fine. That's exactly, yeah, same point. We're making the same point. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that's the first thing. It's like, yeah, you might not. And just when you don't, ask yourself why. And it's not maybe just normal. Mm. But I guess when I saw the, what we were going to talk about today, what if I don't sell anything, just go there. And that's something I'm working a lot on myself because I have a what if brain. I like to prevent any problem that can maybe perhaps happen with a probability of like 1% in 10 years time. Like this is how my brain thinks. What can possibly happen and all sort of ups and trying to like prevent them in advance, which is totally sometimes just a waste of brain space. I would and just very differently you- to that. 
Yeah, it just this is how this is what triggers like anxiety for me. Thinking too far ahead and things that I don't have control on because they don't exist even yet. And I'm making scenarios in my head that maybe they will. Mm-hmm. So what I've been working on lately is every time there's a what if question in my brain, I just answer it and I close the loop because a what if question is like an open loop for your brain. It's like what if and then it opens an, another open loop and then and in the end you're there sitting or laying in bed with like 50 open loops. And your brain is going completely crazy and you just feel anxious. And that's not a place that A, it doesn't feel great. And B, you don't take positive action and get positive results from a place like that. So it's like, yeah, what if? Then just literally write it down on paper. What if I don't make sale? How important is it that I make sale by X amount of time? Maybe you realize because we've just told you that it takes a bit more time that you actually need to keep a job going for a bit longer than you thought. Or, you know, you just kind of actually on paper become very practical as to what if I don't make sales, what will I do, plan B, plan C. And then I feel that kind of puts your brain or it works for me. If you have a brain that works similarly to mine, it kind of goes, okay, well, if that doesn't work, then plan B or plan C. Mm -hmm. And and so you can kind of go and work on plan A, feeling a bit more secure or safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I just want to reference a past episode we've done. I think it's episode 94 preparing for 2029, three tools to help you plan. Mm. And we hit upon this idea of fear setting, Yes, which is kind of what Deb is talking about here, but it's we lay it out in there. You probably hear my cat. Yeah, I can hear that. He's like, let me in, Dad. Let me into your office. Let me in. That's very funny. Yeah, so it's a really helpful and very structured system. Very loud. He is very loud. A very structured system to work out these fears and actually confront them instead of ignoring them and pushing them away all the time. Like you confront them, you pull them out, you actually say, okay, what if this happens? And then if it does happen, how do I deal with it? So you actually completely solve the problem before it even happens, which is great. Because then then it eliminates anymore. Yeah, exactly. Because you eliminate the what if because you've already solved the problem before it happens. It's really yeah. interesting that you brought up that episode because I'm just remembering now when you were saying, Deb, about that's how your mind works, I'm like, I come at it from a very different angle. I remember in that episode, I'm like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> My brain doesn't work like that. Yeah. Because um, I was like, I'm going to do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> I think though the difference being, well, I don't know what the difference is, but anyway, the way that I tend to do things is I just try it and then if it doesn't work, then I adapt. So I'm very mm-hmm. adaptable. That's so, a good way of doing it. I guess so. But I think yeah. a lot of people it's maybe are halfway between that where they mm. may don't think about the what if questions beforehand, but then something goes wrong and then they don't, they're stuck. They're like, they don't know what to yeah. do. They're like yeah. paralyzed. So I think that's probably even worse mm-hmm. than either of those ends of the yeah. scale because then that's when you do get paralyzed and you just don't know how to move yeah. forward. Oh, I can see your cat now. That's, that's the quiet one. Oh, <laughs> there's a cushion down there. So she's just like, I'm going to nest on this cushion behind me. Oh, cute. Don't start snoring. She snores. Oh, okay. so she's not that quiet. <laughs> it's a cute snore. <laughs> Personal. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying, um, Mick, and I think you're right. You also need to be able, when something doesn't work, to not freeze and go, okay. I call it like neutralizing emotion and actually going, not making it mean anything because that's Mm -hmm. what we do. We make it mean something about something we've done, about who we are, about how good we are, how bad we are at something. And just going back to like pure evidence, data, facts, and looking at, okay, what could have been the problem and troubleshooting? Mm -hmm. Because I think we forget that 
it's not about us when mm. there's something that's not working but it, initially that's where you go you're like oh I suck hard like I'm really not good <laughs> like yeah, it did not work. I have work. a great anecdotal story about this which I might have talked about early in the podcast before but when I was starting to do markets I had a range of like my products were like little painted canvases and lots of little magnets and I don't know just sort of knick-knacky type things and I traveled to Sydney from Canberra for a market for a Matilda's market I think it was and, you know, paid the market fee of 200 whatever dollars it was, um, all the travel time and the cost and, da, 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 and set everything up and it was great. And I sold one $3 magnet to a friend. And, you know, I could have gotten really down and been like, well, my stuff is shit. That's, you know, the logical mm. conclusion that most people would come to, well, my stuff is shit. But I just used it as a lesson and like, okay, well, this was definitely either the wrong market or, you know, I had to troubleshoot all of those different things that it could have been. And instead of dwelling on it for so long, I'm like, well, that was a lesson. And <laughs> failures are a good thing because we learn from them. And then so I think I did another, I can't remember if I ended up doing another. No, I think I didn't end up doing that market again because I realized that it was just the Because you were traumatized. Completely. <laughs> what do you say? Because you were traumatized. <laughs> no, <laughs> I definitely wasn't traumatized, but it was definitely the wrong, because it was like a baby and kids market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People were going for baby goods like goods for the babies and babies can't have magnets. So it was obviously <laughs> the wrong type of product for that market. I learned. Mm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't sell stuff. Like we're coming back to the beginning mm. of what we were saying at the beginning of this episode, sometimes you don't. And that's okay. You just have to take it as a lesson and figure out why. Why did that happen? And what can you do better next time? Yeah. Is it yeah. the is it that the product is no good? Is it that the photos are no good? Is it the keywords are no good? Is it you're just not getting enough traffic yet? There's so many different mm, things. You can really troubleshoot. Yeah, yeah you there's can so do many like things a logic to work on. tree to troubleshoot everything, mm. but you need to be able to remove any emotional attachment that you have to facts. Mm. When you go, I did not make a sale, you can't make it mean anything other than you did not make a sale, which mm. is like something you can prove with evidence. Every time you start adding some sort of emotions into your reasoning is when you lose track of how to actually solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Something I like to say as well, Often I feel like we think that to solve a problem, we need to take action. And it's like, yeah, in in a second step, but the first thing you need to do is actually think through the solution. Mm -hmm. Then you take action to implement it. But I think a lot of people also dive too quickly into, oh, this didn't work, therefore I'm going to take massive action on this other side. Without analyzing. Yeah, without really taking. And then they're like, oh, actually that didn't fix it because that wasn't the the problem. Mm -hmm. It's like you have a traffic problem, you're trying to like, take better picture and you're like well that's just more of a conversion issue or you know you're kind of looking at things in the wrong way because you're trying to take action too quickly because you're in a bit of a panic reactive mode Mm -hmm. where it's like okay actually just fixing the problem is something you do without taking any action you just think through what the problem is then the problem is fixed you just have to actually implement that fix so like bringing back the thinking I guess versus the Mm -hmm. because it's just I think this is what the internet has has done to us it's too easy to like go on google or youtube or whatever and just like start Googling things and someone will have an idea for what your the solution to your problem is that is actually just how they market their product. <laughs> and so you end up, you're like, oh yeah, actually my solution is that I'm going to start a YouTube channel. It's like, but wait, there's nothing to do with your initial problem, you know? I, I guess I'm saying slow down and mm. bring back the thinking, troubleshooting, problem solving process before you take action and implement that fix. Yeah, I've got an anecdote that I had a student the other day who was talking about working on her SEO and she's like, I keep working on it and nothing's changing. I'm like, 
you need to stop and let it actually have time to go through the system. Like it takes up to 30 days for changes to actually appear in search. And she's like, oh, I should probably stop then. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> just stop, give it some time to work and then come back to it later and work on something else in the meantime. Yeah. It goes back to things take time or same with interest or whatever. And people are like, well, I've been on it for two months and I'm not getting traffic. And it's like, but it takes up to two months to share one pin to 10 boards. Mm. Of course, you're not seeing that snowball effect yet because you just literally got started. So don't go and changing all of your strategy on the platform because it just literally is just lacking time. So yeah, I think that reactive mode is super dangerous. Not that I've never been in it. Sometimes oh, yeah. we fall for it too. Oh, yeah. And I think this is an important thing to say too, like this fear of like, but what if I don't sell anything? Even when you're making consistent sales and you literally have a successful business, you still have that thought mm-hmm. popping up in your head and you still have flops. There's still things that you send out and emails and promotions that you make that are like, okay, well, that didn't go so well. And it you can't avoid it. And it's almost like it's weird if you don't. Like you're not a superhero, magic, super business style. <laughs> like you're going to make mistakes. Even the pros do. Like, you know, it's just, it's a matter of how well you handle them mm. and be ready for them. Because, yeah, you're not going to sell things all yeah, the time. Yeah, and nothing stays <laughs> the same. Like my jewelry business has been really impacted by the last year. It's changed forever because I used to be able to offer free shipping to the U- U.S., but that's gone now. Like the way I used to do that has been taken away from by Australia Post. Mm. So it's changed my business forever. And now I have to charge a lot more for my shipping, which has reduced my sales because that's just the nature of things. Mm. So I had to try to work out ways around that while not dropping my prices to the point where I'm losing profit that I had before. Mm. So there's never a point where everything is copacetic forever. Things will happen. Imagine, you know, if you're working and you're making stuff that is currently just very popular, like it's a fad or something like that, or, you know, the style you're making just happens to be in fashion. Well, then you're going to see more sales now, but then when that changes, they're going to go away. I mean, I'm sure we can all think of like five products off the top of our head that we've heard of in the past that were like, everywhere for about three to six months Mm. and then you've never heard of it again like what about fidget spinners do they still exist no no i've got one but i don't know if you can buy them anymore (laughs) this was crazy like i don't know who the pr person was for fidget spinners (laughs) but they did a great job for like two months this was all everyone was doing what about like that ab crunch rolly thing that was really big in like the 90s or whatever or the Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was everywhere yeah. in the 90s. Every, every house had exactly. one of those. Did it not work? What happened exactly, to Exactly, right? I'm just saying, like, there's so many of these fad products. And also, mm. I've, I've noticed, like, the teenagers walking around wearing Doc Martens. Doc Martens having a great time because the 90s are back in fashion. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we're switching back to the 70s. Oh, are we? Oh, again. But we were in the 70s and, like, fashion's changed real fast yeah. these days. But 10 years yeah. ago, we were in the 70s. It's like we go 70s, 80s, 90s. So like for three decades, and then we go back 70s, 80s, 90s. Like Why can't we, we get go back, back to the to 20s, man? We're watching Supernatural. It's like season 14. I'm going to spoil stuff here. So if you've not watched season 14 of Supernatural, just skip forward a little bit. Oh, like 10 years old. No, it's like one year old, maybe two years old. Oh, anyway, really? So Dean's possessed by Michael, who's an angel, and his style, like he's dressed up in like 1920s style men's fashion, which looks so sharp. Like it looks amazing. Yeah. I'm like to Nick. Oh, why can't that kind of like that sort of thing come back in fashion? Where we all dress beautifully and, you know, like. I don't know if the women were as comfortable as the men would have been back then, though. Like I was flipping through an history book of the area where I'm at and it's women on the beach and they have these long dresses in the sand. And I'm just like, Jesus, wear a swimsuit. 
what are you doing? This is not okay. It's 40 I degrees. I saw a picture this morning from like a Scottish Women's Rock Climbing Association in like 1908 and they're literally climbing, rock climbing with long dresses on, like skirts on. Yeah. I'm like, like, whoa, People were like, you can't make pants for women. <laughs> women can't wear pants. So stupid. I, I never wear dresses. They're just, they make you feel pretty, but I'm too much of a, I don't know. I wouldn't, I'm not elegant in a dress. Anyway, we've digressed. Hey there, Maker. Are you loving the Business of Making podcast? We're loving bringing it to you, but we really need your support to continue producing the show. You can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And depending on your level of support, you can get perks like behind the scenes and extra special content, including video, a link to your shop on our website, and even a shout out on the podcast itself. Every month, we also release a secret podcast episode available only to our platinum patrons. Just head on over to thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash support. Yeah, so I still have this thought sometimes. I'm sure Deb does as well. I'm sure me has as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. All the time. You're always always working to make more sales. That is the majority of what I spend my time on is some form of marketing in some way. To bring new people into my businesses. That is the majority of the time I spend is on that. And you can't neglect it. It has to be a core part of your strategy and the time you spend always. It never stops. It's not, you're never going to be done. It's ongoing. Exactly. Yeah. Even with passive products, (laughs) they're never really passive unless you set up an automated recurring system, which takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And even with those passive, income streams generally speaking you're going to have to be investing an awful lot of the money you make from that back into like ads because yeah. if you're not doing like content marketing to bring people mm. to those products then nobody's going to buy them <laughs> you know so it's kind of a misnomer i think the idea of passive yeah product. and you're still you know you still i think this happens a lot in the a lot of people are trying to sell digital downloads mm. and patterns and things these days and yes, sure, they're easier in the way of you do it once and then you don't have to repeat, do it every time you get an order. But it doesn't mean that you're not doing marketing. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you don't have flop promotions when you yeah. your list and you're like, like oh, no one bought, great. Edition is now passive, but everything else is not. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're still actively growing your business. I think a point that Deb made before briefly is really worth hammering home is you will have products that will just not work. They'll flop. They will not succeed. And you probably... You know, a lot of the time you probably won't know why. <laughs> you'll have promotions that don't work. You know, you'll send an email that you think is really good or you'll put an Instagram post up that you think is really well done and then it just won't result in any sales and you probably won't know why, <laughs> at least at the beginning unless you analyze it. And the amount of products I've launched, like jewelry, pieces of jewelry that I've launched that no one's ever bought is reasonably substantial. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't stop yeah. me. I mean, I've talked about yeah. <laughs> I have. I'm just thinking about all these containers and containers full of laser cut jewelry that's just waiting for me to start marketing. <laughs> that's not selling. Maybe one day. There's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's a reason for that, right? Like I can't yeah. then just go, oh, it's a shit product because I haven't even put it online. You know, like I haven't even put it out there. <laughs> The point being, whatever is happening, there's always a reason yeah. for it. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes you can't figure out that reason and that's mm-hmm. okay. Don't kill yourself trying to figure something out if the answer is not coming to you with investigation. But mm-hmm. you should investigate mm-hmm. why things are not working. And my example here is really fucking obvious. <laughs> <laughs> They're sitting in my garage. <laughs> but sometimes 
Maybe you even think that you've got everything all sorted and it's great, but then maybe there is a gaping hole that you just have missed. Mm -hmm. Like maybe in your customer journey, people go to add it to the cart and maybe then your website is broken that you don't even realize, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, I'm not getting any sales. But if you haven't investigated Mm -hmm. that, then you will never know. So you have to investigate and analyze and then take action. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the the one thing I'll leave you with Oh, the most important for me in solving this problem for myself and maybe that's helpful for others is really removing the emotional aspects mm-hmm. and really looking at facts. Like, there's no such thing as a good fact or a bad fact. And that's we, we try, though, to go, oh, that's pretty harsh fact. And it's like, that doesn't exist. That's like not a definition mm-hmm. of a fact. You can take anything that happens and look at it from a positive or negative frame, and that's going to affect the action that you're going to take from it because you're going to be in that, you know, like what you were saying, Mick, you flopped at that market, you didn't make it mean anything about your product or yourself. Instead, you're like, okay, that means more something about my marketing, my positioning, mm. the wrong placement. Like I wasn't in the right place. At the it's right data. Time. It's, it's data, data. But, you know, with my example, I think that I was able to do that because I have confidence. Mm. If it was someone else who doesn't have confidence, because I'm just like, yeah, my stuff's the best fucking shit ever. <laughs> if someone's not like that, even if that's not true, <laughs> I know that's not true, but it, if someone's not like that, then I can understand how it would be incredibly hard. But it's still, then it's even more important to Previous, like remove. Yeah, it's fact. Yeah, because yeah. you can't wrap your identity around like the sales that you make. Yeah, you're worth it as a person whether you make sales or not. But I think exactly. we go to that phase where you're like, oh well, I didn't make sales, so am I worth it as a person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is my art worth it? And you have to remove that because it's just not serving you. But um, even you if are. your stuff is shit, you're still worth being. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like don't tie your value into. Yeah. Yeah, and be willing to accept that it might be a bit not great. Yeah, your stuff might be shit. Maybe you need to okay, work on yeah. the product. <laughs> it's yeah. true. There's actually nothing more helpful than someone telling you in a very kind way, look, I think you're missing the mark here because I don't think people see the value of this specific mm. product or because this kind of coloring is not super trendy so you're getting less mm. visits so you're not going to get enough visits to get enough sales so maybe incorporate more trend stuff like you know more modernize the quality is not like there or yeah like go and look for constructive kind negative feedback like negative feedback is often better than positive feedback if you can remove the emotional ah that comes with it because <laughs> it's not an attack on your character mm. yeah exactly feedback about yeah. something that you've produced. Yeah. Yeah. Very different. So I think I've sworn enough in this episode. I think we can finish <laughs> it up now. I flipped about five in there. So I think that was good. Thank you everyone so much for listening again for another week. We really appreciate you. There's a couple of things you can do to support us. Number one, of course, you could become a patron on our Patreon. And to do that, you can go to thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash supporters. We'll take you to the list of people who are our supporters already. So you could get some inspiration there. And if you want to join the gang, go and shop the product.com support. And uh, yeah, join up to be our supporters. Oh my God, I've said supporters way too many times now. <laughs> I'm going to leave the CTA there. We're just going to have one for this episode. But if you want to leave a review, then that'd be really good too. <laughs> she lies. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry I was a bit silly this episode, but I feel like that's just the way it rolls when we sometimes. It's all so, good. When we record every time, yeah, that's what we do. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, again. And we'll catch you next time on the Business of Making Podcast. Bye. Bye. I don't know. What am I trying to say? Like, it's 
What am I trying to say? I don't know. Oh, you guys are nodding. I didn't pull my thread. Dang. <laughs> read your mind, man. <laughs> I was so telepathic. Like, 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 all working I, really I well. Know, I think I know, but I'm not, I don't know enough to articulate it myself. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs>